when you're deciding on who to be with, you need to get to like 70, 80%. You're not aiming for 100. 70, 80%, someone you're attracted to physically, someone you get along with, click with, there's that inexplicable chemistry, someone you just like to spend time. The remaining 20 to 30% is purely your decision to commit. What's in that 20 to 30%? Sitting down 12 years later into the marriage, like, hey, let's figure out how to be friends again. Hey, let's talk about this big fight five years ago that we keep bringing up whenever we argue. Let's really sit down and figure out what we need from the other person and then make a conscious decision to let it go and move forward. What do we need from each other to make that happen? Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. We're rolling, baby. We are rolling. Christina, hello, hello. How are you? I am good. If I sound a little hoarse, it's because I've had the most insane case of allergies ever the past couple days. I feel like this happens to me a lot, but it's happening. We went to Ohio. You sound kind of sexy. You always say that when I'm sick. Thank <laughs> I know. We went to Ohio for our anniversary, which was so amazing, so nice, so relaxing, so fun. Except I almost died at one point because I decided to go biking in 100 degree weather um, while like almost five months pregnant. And let me tell you, there's some times where you just don't need to prove that you can do it all. Okay. Yeah, that was very brave of you guys. I mean, listen, it was literally one mile each way. Okay. What, <laughs> like I, it's not like an actual, like we didn't go mountain biking or anything. We did a le- <laughs> leisurely cruise on a cruiser to a restaurant and back. Oh my God. But I learned a couple things. One, you don't need to do that in hundred degree weather while you're five months pregnant. Two, you shouldn't eat a full baguette during lunch and expect <laughs> to make it back home. Okay. And three, Dude, those wide brim felt fedoras trap the heat in. They, I, w- I was going to say, was your head a sweaty mess? No, I, I'm not even kidding you. Steve and I were filming this video. Like, did you see that? The silly like bicycle <laughs> video. We were filming that video. Ran. I literally had water dropping between my legs. I have never sweat <laughs> like this before. I actually like felt like you when you were in Europe and how you were complaining about the sweat. I sweat in places I just did not know could sweat. Like I know like your, I guess it's your vagina or whatever, your thighs sweat, right? Like I know that happens, but to be in a dress and that happening and to feel the water dripping down your leg, is a very humbling experience. You're like, how is this happening? Like it is, it's, it's alarming. It's alarming. I finally poured a bunch of water bottles on my head and made it back. Okay. But anyways, (laughs) The anniversary was so nice, but when I came back, I was so sick. And it turns out that Ojai apparently is like known for their oak trees that are like famous, but cause the worst allergies. And I had no idea. So I think that's what I have. So much sense. Yeah. So anyways, that's my little, that's what's going on right now. But you're in Stockholm. so I need to hear all about that. 
I'm in Stockholm. We got here. So my sisters and I, so my grandma's, like my dad's side of the family is from, we're basically like, I don't know the percentages, like over 70%, like Swedish and, and Danish. So we were, have always wanted to do a, also it was funny. So my little sister did 23 and me. And yesterday she was talking about like, she's really into this stuff. And she was like, we are more, we have more Neanderthal in us than like 65% of the population. And I was like, this answers a lot. And then anyway, we've always wanted to do like a heritage trip. We want to like go, you know, have wanted to go where like our ancestors are from. Um, and my grandma still actually has family here. We like messaged people on Facebook, but no one responded to us probably because they think we we're like scamming them or something. I don't know. So we are just on this trip. We're doing Stockholm, Copenhagen. And then I convinced Tori, my older sister, to come to Munich with me for Oktoberfest. And then I'm going to Paris on, at the end I'm by myself. But yeah, it's we got to Stockholm yesterday and I we have lucked out with the weather. I am telling you, like, I cannot believe how beautiful it is here. It is so coming from what you were just talking about, hundred degree weather in California to here where it is like a fall oasis. It's like 65 and sunny, which all you need is a light jacket. Mm -hmm. It is ideal. So today we did like a bike tour and we were just riding, riding by the water and it was so freaking beautiful. I was just like, Oh, it was just the best feeling. So I'm really excited to be here and not be just running my ass off in California. <laughs> I know. I, I feel very at home. Yeah. No, I'm so happy for you. It looks gorgeous. I can't wait to see more of it because I've never explored that part of, of Northern Europe at all. But I've been seeing your jackets and like sweaters. I was like, wow, that just feels lovely. It looks lovely. Yeah. Wait, can I tell you real quick? Did I ever tell you about Steve's cousins who found their Swedish relatives from 23andMe. No. Yes. Their cousin Lars from Sweden literally just called them in Staten Island one day, like found them. And he was like, hey, I'm your, I, I, I would attempt to do his accent because his accent <laughs> hey, is, like, is like really, really strong. It's amazing. He's like, yeah, I'm your cousin Lars. And like they had a whole conversation with him. Literally a couple months later, the whole family came to Staten Island to visit them. And then, Whoa. yeah. And then from then on, like they've gone to their farm in Sweden and have stayed with them. We met them at their cousin's wedding in Mexico. Like some of their family from New York couldn't even come to the wedding, but the family from Sweden that they met from 23andMe came over. Came. Okay. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I forget. <laughs> Lars and Helene or something like that. They were like such a nice couple. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah, I mean, that's how I was hoping it would go. It might. You, it might, you might just need to give it time. Like you might need to give it some time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like we don't so, have that much time. We don't have much time. Yeah, we don't have much time. We're on a tight, a tight schedule for us to connect to our roots. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But yeah, honestly, I don't have much yet to report from the trip because today was our first full day. So I, we just, all we've really done is gone to the Boston Museum and did a bike tour. That's all I could say. We went to this Italian restaurant last night because we were like exhausted and oh, tip if you are traveling to Stockholm I would say 90% of like the good restaurants and things like that and wine bars are closed on Sunday and Monday mm. and we're here Sunday Monday Tuesday so like I had this full list of places I wanted to go and then I'm like looking looking and I'm like everything is closed 
So we ended up going to this restaurant last night that I actually saw on TikTok and I was like, okay, this actually looks pretty cool. It was such a beautiful night. We wanted like a rooftop. It was so bad. Oh no. Like, you, cannot, you cannot always trust these TikTok videos. Let me tell you. I was like, it's bad. It's hard to mess up Italian food, I would say. And don't worry, everyone listening, we are trying to get traditional Swedish food, but the places we want to go, we have to wait till they open on Tuesday. So anyway, yeah, I will hopefully have more updates for you guys. But for now, that's all I've got. I'm excited to get the trip really kicked into full gear. But okay, before we get into obsessed, I have one more life update that I'm so beyond excited to share. Oh, yeah, you guys. Remember how I told you a couple weeks ago, like, obviously, like I'm pregnant now. I'm so, so excited about it. But something that makes it even more exciting is that my sister is pregnant too. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can finally share the news. It's like so crazy to have your sister, like my sister, the closest person to me, pregnant at the same exact time. And she's literally due a month after me. Like we're going to have one month apart in age. Isn't that insane? That's insane. What are you most excited for about this whole experience? Being pregnant at the same time, I mean. I mean, I guess like we don't live next to each other. So being pregnant at the same time is like not that big of a deal. It's more just exciting being able to raise kids at, through the same stages of life together. Like especially forever close yeah. or just like on vacations. Like I just feel like they're going to have like built in besties. Like our kids are going to be yeah, apart. They're going to be like siblings, not even cousins. And so excited about it. And like they kind of were trying for a while and they were about to start gosh, I hope she doesn't kill me for sharing this. They're about to start IVF and stuff right after they got back from Greece and then they got pregnant right before Greece and like everything just happened perfectly and I'm just so happy for them and I cannot wait for all the matching outfits that our kids are going to wear in the future. Oh, they're going to be so cute. That's so exciting. I hope that, I hope that one of me and my sisters will be able to time it around the same time as well. Oh my gosh, right? It's like really nice. I hope you guys are able to too. I think you will. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know. But anyways, I'll stay. I'll keep you guys updated on the Zia sibling cousin situation. I don't know how that sibling slash. I, I oh, yeah, think of a better name for that. I will be cousins. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> but anyway, okay, that's my last life update. What I'm obsessed with, though, is as you, I'm sure many of you have seen all the drama behind the movie. Don't worry, darling. That's the one that Olivia mm. Wilde's directing with Harry Styles, Florence Pugh. I won't get into all the drama behind it because I'm sure you've seen all the memes and everything that went on at Venice Film Festival and have done your own research on it. What I'm kind of obsessed with is this I take down, or I feel like what people want to do is take down of a powerful woman. And I just really wonder, because I've seen a lot of articles about how like all this drama is like super sexist against Olivia Wilde. And part of me doesn't know what to believe because I do think that, yeah, maybe if it was a male director in this role, all this drama wouldn't be circulating as much. But at the same time, there is like some shady stuff going on. Right. So like, I don't think that that can be ignored at the same time, but it's just more about like the internet's desire. I feel like to paint her as such a villain without actually knowing the true story. And I don't know why people just love to see a successful, powerful woman taken down. Yeah, it's been, that whole situation has been kind of crazy. And like, if it was a conspiracy of like press around the movie, like damn. But did you see today, 
that it, it was confirmed that Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde have broken up. No. It was announced today. No. Oh my gosh. Wait, this just adds so, to it. I know. Because there was like all of these things of like how he literally did not interact with her once at the Venice Film Festival. Like, okay, I say that of what we saw, right? We have to keep that in mind of what we saw. I saw how they were like literally standing apart and like as far as can be, but I thought that yeah. was just like the mood, like the producers or whatever being like so awkward about it and not wanting all the press to be like about them dating. Yeah. So I don't know. Wait this a minute. This whole thing is... Wait, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm looking right now and there's not one thing on like my news story headlines that talk about them broken up. Wait, I have to find this. Oh, I should have saved it and sent it to you. I didn't know you were invested in it. Yeah. I okay, so maybe, maybe I'm giving you not accurate advice <laughs> if it's not everywhere by now, but maybe I'm ahead of, maybe, maybe I'm ahead because I'm in Europe. Maybe you are. Who knows? Maybe they want to like generate that story timeline one it's like 9 a.m pacific standard time and it's only eight at this point so that's why who knows <laughs> that's so crazy but i also do think another layer to why the takedown olivia wilde and like this movie is happening is because i think that people just love jason sudeikis and love the movie and love the show ted lasso and his character on ted lasso is so lovable that i feel like people can't see jason as past that character almost so the drama between him and Olivia Wilde and their kids and Harry Styles, I think just adds to all of that. And people are like, oh, she left her husband and her kids for this like young musician, heartthrob pop star, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's wild. And then the whole like Miss Flo stuff. Mm hmm. Where like all of Florence Pugh's like glam team, their shirts and stuff said Miss Flo and her hairstylist posted an Instagram that said Miss Flo. I was like, oh shit, this is popping off. I will say it is creating buzz around the movie, like a hundred percent, but the movie got also a horrible score on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. I saw that too. I was like, ooh, I yeah. still want to see it to be honest ooh. with you. Oh, that's the thing. Everyone wants to see it now because of all this stuff. Also, okay, I literally can I'm like I literally cannot find this article, so I may need to backtrack and track and be like, it was not confirmed. Did I dream this? Like I <laughs> literally am like, so confused. I'm like literally so confused. Wait, no, um, me too, gonna... because before I brought it up, I like want I was like look Googling it just to make sure there wasn't any like new information. No. I'm like this is... I literally I'm like literally kind of freaking out. Am I like so tired? Because I was like on my phone. So I came back to the hotel earlier today and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a little nap and then give myself time to like get set up to record with you. And I was on my phone and saw it before I took a nap. And now I'm like, did I dream this? I and now I'm like, like, it's confirmed. I don't know. I need to really, whoa. I don't know, That's but alarming. when we get updates from people or when we get like, when we did all those like Q and A's about what people wanted more from us, someone was like, maybe you guys should like fact check a couple things and maybe this is what they had in mind. Maybe this is what they had in mind, definitely. But honestly, I feel like we keep this between, we keep this as like a open conversation. We're learning with you guys, okay? Okay, so, so. If it, and if they did break up, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. And if you didn't, I dreamed it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. What oh are you my obsessed God. with? Okay. 
Oh my God. Okay. Speaking of good marketing, we all know that, well, I hope so. Kourtney Kardashian started teasing her new business earlier this week. And I just think she did it in a really interesting and smart way because she basically posted about it without like, you always see people being like, Oh, I launched this. And then all the information is there. Everything is there. She basically teased it before it was like, anyone knew it was, was creating all of this like conversation around it because people were trying to guess what it was before they even knew. And my guess was definitely wrong. It's vitamins. If you haven't seen yet, it's like vitamins and supplements. And actually, okay. It was my sister who was talking, who, I don't know who was talking about it. And she was like, it would make so much sense for her to have like an intimate, like sex line because of, I mean, Poosh. And then also just like all this PDA with Travis and stuff. I feel like it's very on brand, but it's vitamins and supplements. I probably wouldn't run out to buy any, but I thought the marketing leading up to it was interesting. What did you think it was going to be? Did you think it was, you didn't think it was going to be the sex line, right? Or what? When, when my sister said that, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And that's kind of what I was hoping it would be. Yeah. That would actually be good. But no, probably buy it. I do feel like there needs to be someone who can talk about sex and like maybe toys or products or lube or whatever and make it feel cool and not something to be like ashamed or embarrassed about. And she probably could do a good job with that as well as like apparel. But I don't know. Yeah, I was following a little bit of the launch, but to be honest with you, I just, I don't know if I just didn't care about it that much. But when I saw the vitamins either, I was like, eh. Yeah, when I saw the vitamins, I became less interested. I was more interested when I didn't know what it was. Yeah, absolutely. But let's see, I feel like I'm more interested in Kim's new venture capitalist cap that's why yeah we were also talking about that and i'm like i wonder how involved she is in like all of these things because like there's only so much time in a day no there's only so much time of the day i'm like this is actually wild she has skims she has skin by kim she's on a hulu tv show all of these appearances being a mom and then and now this it's like kind of wild and she's not even everything she's launching a podcast a podcast yeah and she's a lawyer which like okay that is wild to me and like the podcast she obviously has to like be there and record it and like that one she has to be involved with obviously i'm sure she just shows up records and then that's her thing but Wow. Kim Kardashian, does she sleep is the question. I have no idea, but it is, it is. Actually she does because (laughs) I saw her post her aura ring data one day and she was had like a hundred percent readiness score and she's never seen it. So like she is getting restful sleep. This woman is. Dude, I need this aura ring so badly. I can, you, I, I literally cannot if I forget to wear it, I'm actually really upset. But do you feel like it actually helps you sleep better? Or do you just like knowing, confirming that, oh yeah, I feel like shit because no. I didn't have a good night's sleep last night? No, this ring doesn't help you sleep better. It helps you implement practices and routines that will make you sleep better. Okay, so you do think it has like, helped you do that? A hundred percent. Okay. Because I'm like, oh, because like I see how much of an impact like when I was getting no sleep in Europe, I was seeing how much of an impact it had like on everything else, like your heart rate, like 
your body temperature. Like it's really crazy how all like how important sleep is. So it's like, I'm in a competition with myself. Like I want to see my really good readiness score every morning or my sleep score. Okay. Well, I love that. I, I love competing with myself. That's perfect. I know. So I highly suggest Thor Ring. That was a very <laughs> weird tangent. Should we get into today's episode? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Before we do, I just want to say thank you to everyone for all the messages and feedback on our past couple of podcast episodes. I'm so happy that you've been loving them. I got so many nice messages, especially about the interview with Nicolette Mason, which was awesome. If you guys like, can take a minute, if you love an episode, to share it on social media, on your stories and tag Ray and I so we can share it too. It just helps us. And obviously, if you have a minute to leave us a rating on Apple or, Pot or Spotify, it would just mean so much to us and just help our little podcast continue to grow. Yes, we would absolutely love that. So when, when we did that Q&A, we took in a lot of your advice and the type of episodes you wanted to hear into consideration. So I'm so excited about today's episode because it's all about relationships. We talked to Kim Pollander. She's an individuals and couples counselor whose training in traditional therapy and energy work has helped her create a holistic approach to issues such as anxiety, couples communication, childhood trauma, and low self-esteem. We talk so much about dating and relationships, and we all know that we want to be in a long-term, happy and healthy relationships. And in order to do that, that requires a lot of work. But honestly, sometimes that work and just the idea of it can sound so daunting and overwhelming. And through her social media channels and this interview, Kim does such a good job giving you simple, digestible, and tangible tips to help you through different phases of your relationship. Yeah, I love talking to Kim because she keeps it super easy, easily to digest, digest, and just doesn't overthink it. And is just super simple. And I think that's like her background. She used to work, you know, more in like using like her more technical side. And so, and then also she's very fascinated with like psychology and that side of things. And so she just says it very plain and simple and makes it like, oh, okay, when you boil it down to that, that seems like this huge, big relationship problem actually isn't so daunting. Yeah, absolutely. And she gives you like the slightest little switches in the way you say things even to your partner mm -hmm. and how you're saying them and how you could say them differently. But honestly, it's just like a couple word switch and you're like mind blown and you could just hear the mm -hmm. difference right away. And I'd be so curious. I wish I was like in the room while you guys were listening to this because I feel like everyone would be like, oh, fuck, I do that. Shit, I do. Yeah, I was really guilty of that too. Super, super guilty. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Kim and I hope you guys love this interview. I think for all of us, the goal is to have a long, healthy, happy relationship. And that's obviously a lot easier said than done. Relationships require a lot of work. And I came across your videos and I could not, I've related to so many of them. And one that particularly stood out and I was like, oh my gosh, Christina, you're so guilty about this is the one about making sweeping judgments. And I think that's something that a lot of people do. And I think it's something that a lot of people do, but are completely unaware that they're doing it. So you talk a lot about making about complaining and about toxic judgments and 
about toxic criticism and healthy complaints. So can you kind of break that down? Because I think this is something a lot of people are guilty about and they have no idea. Yeah, yeah. How we communicate, it's it's so easy to become comfortable with someone and then you start to relax. You're no longer in that honeymoon phase. And so then it's like, hey, did you take out the garbage? Why didn't you take out the garbage? Do you never take out the garbage? And so when we take a look at how you know, sweeping judgments start to come into play. It's a very natural progression, natural evolution. Everybody does it. So it starts out early in the relationship like, hey, uh, I noticed that you didn't take out the garbage last night. It starts out specific. And that's the goal is to stay specific. And then as those incidents start to build up, then it becomes resentment. Because those little incidents that add up that aren't resolved, aren't apologized for, aren't talked about, they just kind of go into the bank. And then all of a sudden you get one little thing that gets poked and then everything blows up. You never take out the garbage. You're so irresponsible. I'm staying home with the kids all day. You're, you get home late and it all just, all of a sudden now you're not just talking about taking out the garbage. Now all of a sudden 10 years of resentments about, you know, cleaning the house, take out the kids, finances, it all gets jumbled up into one big argument. So as couples stay together longer, the tendency is for whenever you have a big argument, things from the past just start like the kitchen sink just gets thrown at it. And then you can't argue about you're you're not clear on what you argue about. So a lot of my time with couples is spent, hey, clarifying the issue. What is the issue? What's the underlying issue? Is it really about the garbage or is it about feeling taken for granted? So that's that's kind of what I noticed. And yeah, when you complain, when you can be specific, you can be as upset as you want. You know, feelings are real. But when it comes to com communicating with your partner, it helps to just stay specific. Like last night, I really wished you would have taken out the garbage. You said you would. I'm really pissed off about it. Like just, you know, however cranky you are about it, that's no problem. But being able to stay specific on point on what your what your goal is. So an example of toxic criticism would be like, you never help me with anything. I'm always doing all of the housework in, and then a specific argument, which is what you say we should be doing is, Hey, you said you would take out the trash last night and you didn't. Can you do it today? Yeah. Or can we sit down and come up with a chores list? This is such a common issue with couples, mm -hmm. household chores. And so can you come up with a chores list? If your partner cleans the bathroom and they don't clean it the way you like it, are you okay with that? Maybe you should be the one always cleaning the bathroom and they do something else. So it's kind of that sort of negotiation. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, what's the low hanging fruit? What can we address and solve and check off like a chores list? How about it? Try different ways. What, one thing you just said that kind of was like, ding, like a light bulb for me was like when you said, are you going to be okay with how they clean the bathroom? I feel like, and I could be making a sweeping statement here as we just talked about. So please correct me if I'm wrong with your, you know, pay, clients or patients. Do you have to work with women on releasing that? Because I know in my past relationships, like I I'm a little bit of a control freak and want things done in a certain way, but then I'm still resentful that I have to do it because he couldn't do it in the way that I wanted. Like for me, the idea of getting over that is a little bit daunting and a little bit like overwhelming. Is that something you see a lot in, in women in like heterosexual relationships? For sure. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, I, I say this lightly, like OCD type of traits and tendencies mm -hmm. is you need order. 
having order and control and systematic kind of, you know, infrastructure in your home and your life, it's very self-soothing and it's important to you. And sure, we can talk for hours about how you arrived there, but more importantly, it's where you are now. It's what you need. And so looking at it, not from a point of, wow, you're just such a horrible cleaner, but more looking at what do you need from this person? Do you need them to fall in line with your idea of clean? And why is that? Where does your idea of clean come from? You know, what is, why is order so important? Why is cleanliness so important? You know, then inevitably it takes us back to the childhood Mm -hmm. kind of roles that you had as a child, people pleasing, criticism from parents. That's how you kind of subtly learn to be a perfectionist and be orderly. And or if there's chaos in the home, volatility in the home, having order and something to focus on to take your mind away from your problems is very effective as a coping mechanism. I'm going to focus on, you know, just cleaning everything, ordering things, color coordinating my closet. I'm going to focus on eating and my rituals and weighing food. I'm going to focus on just like drinking and, you know, substance use and anything to take our minds off of being alone with our thoughts, because what happens when we're alone with our thoughts, then, you know, we have to really sit with how we feel about ourselves. You know, we've talked a lot about household chores. And I do think that is like a huge thing that a lot of couples fight about. But if you take like, let's say like 50 couples, right? What are some other huge obstacles that you find that they're struggling with in their relationships? Is it, is it kids? Is it family judgment? Is it workload? Like what, what are the things that people come to you that they're struggling with the most? Number one would be infidelity. Oh, You'd be surprised at how many couples experience infidelity and want to work it out. Wow. Um, so that just gave me I chills, actually. I don't know why. That is just, I n- did not think that would be number one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, they cheated. Like the relationship's over. And that's not necessarily the case. It's up to the couple. You know, I've, I first have to work out the intention. Do you want to work on it? Do you want to stay in the relationship? And then how to go about that healing. What's tricky for any couples counselor is that by the time a couple comes to you, typically, not always, but typically, they're already hanging by a thread. Mm -hmm. They're already one foot out the door. And so I don't make any big promises about, yeah, we're going to repair your relationship because by the time they get to me, it's already the damage has been really done. And so, you know, I get a lot of premarital counseling as well. And that's always fun because they're in love, they're in newlywed stage and it's all happy and unicorns and rainbows. And so, but yeah, it's, it's tough because a lot of couples come to me kind of when it's too late. Right. In the case of infidelity, is that something that you think like, I mean, I know it's hard to say, but that's something that can be resolved. I feel like so many people are, that's such a deal breaker for, do you, have you seen that you can work through that? Yes, absolutely. A lot of the work will be, why did it happen? And that sounds so basic, right? Like, why'd you do it? But the reasons for doing it are not just about sex or about ego, You know, a lot of times I'll look at, again, going back to the childhood. Not all counselors do this, but I like going back to the childhood. I like getting to the root problem. Where did it start? And so going back to the childhood and looking at your relationship with betrayal, with trust issues, with cheating, what did you see modeled for you? Did it happen to you? You start to normalize 
cheating and infidelity. You start to perhaps expect less. I've talked to couples where they've cheated multiple times, betrayals multiple times, and the spouse still stays. So, you know, there's a lot, a very complex, complex reasons as to why a person would stay, complex reasons as to why a person would cheat. So it's it's not something that you can distill down to. This is the reason everybody cheats. Mm-hmm. It's always unique. And for sure, if the intention is there of wanting to understand what happened, why it happened, make it up to your spouse, have remorse. You can't fake remorse, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of my job is to figure out, are they remorseful? Do they really want to work on this? Because I, I don't have enough time to see everybody that I want to. So especially in the consultation or when people reach out, I really try to determine if both people want to be there because a lot of times it's the one partner dragging in the other partner. And then that's, it's not going to be effective. Whatever I say is not going to be effective. So I could better spend my time with another couple who is willing to do that. But yes, infidelity for sure can be worked out. See, I think that's super interesting that you said that because I, I, I do see this in a lot of relationships where it's someone who seems to be trying so much harder. So in those situations, like, what would you say to the person when you're like, listen, they don't seem to care to work on their relationship the same way that you do. Or if you're in a relationship struggling right now and you feel like you, your relationship needs work and needs help, but you're dragging your partner to try and seek that help. What advice can you give to someone who's in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. And I get a lot of comments like this in private messages, direct messages related to this about, hey, I'm trying your skills, your exercises, and my partner is just like a a dead log. You know, they're not engaging. I've talked to my partner about my complaints in a nice way, the way you outline, and they're still ignoring me or neglecting me. So it takes two. If you are in a situation, a relationship where you are not getting engagement from your partner the way you want, I strongly suggest finding a couple's counselor, maybe someone local in your area or someone online. You know, Psychology Today has a great listing directory of of therapists and counselors because it helps to get an unbiased third party in the room who will not be on your side and not be on their side, who can translate what you're saying, who can hopefully distill the issue, get down to the issue and hear what's really going on. But if you find a partner that isn't willing to even do that, then you have to decide, is this something you want to stay in? It gets very complicated when there are children, when there are, when you've been together 12, 15 years, 20 years. I had a couple, couples come to me who've been together over 20 years all the time, 22 years, 24 mm-hmm. years. So with the couple yeah. that have been together for like 22 years, 24 years, is there is there a common theme at that point? Because I feel like, I mean, I've been with someone for 12 years and I, I can imagine, and I know how hard a relationship is. And it, I can only imagine it gets harder, especially as you guys continue to change as people. But then it probably seems so overwhelming when it's like, wait, we've already invested all of this time into our relationship. So is there like a, at a certain point, because you talk about this in some of your videos that I love, like that couples break up and couples go through hardships at different stages. Like you say, three years, seven years, 11 years, 15 years, 20 years. So like, what are the common themes in all those different stages? Yeah. It, you know, resolving conflict is not something, communication is not something that's taught. 
in schools, emotional intelligence, not taught in schools. And we have to kind of figure things out on our own. And, and many people, especially the young people, I'm 50 years old, so I, <laughs> I frequently refer to the young kids, but a lot of people, you can see their social engagement, social skills, they're a bit lacking where you get, you know, two young children in the room and they're just on their phones. And so that lack of engagement and really taking a deep interest in someone is a skill, I guess you'd call it a skill, a trait that's really starting to get lost. Oh my gosh, that makes so, me sad. I can see it. Like right now, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I, I even see it with my friends too and myself. I'm like, sometimes you're just, so, it's so easy to just be on your phone and not be engaged with the person that's right there in, yeah. in your room. And you notice it when you're around strangers, but when you're with your partner, you sometimes just take it for granted. Yeah, for sure. And this lack of engagement, the virtual world is becoming more and more popular. Virtual partners, so to speak. I'm not just talking about something that's you know, trigger warning, maybe as like a, a sex doll or something. You know, that's always had its own little following. But it's now expanding that idea of a virtual partner, um, a non-human partner. Oh, wait, not I even think like... It's gonna get not even like a partner you just speak to virtually, but a virtual, like a person that's not actually like a human. Lot human. Yeah. There was a movie. What was that movie? Whoa, about? Oh, I know. It called one. Her or something. Yeah. Or with the like movie Scarlett with Johansson, movie. right? I know yes. John. Yeah. Yes. I, I read articles. I haven't read anything peer reviewed research regarding it. So I don't want to say this is truth, but I've noticed a trend in people, you know, look at the metaverse. People are turning to virtual reality more and more and, it's inevitable that, you know, a virtual partner is also really appealing. So what's appealing about a virtual partner? Well, they probably don't argue with you, call you out on your stuff. You know, they, they're very compliant, agreeable. You never have to worry about performance or rejection. You know, if you take a, like Esther, Esther Perel had a very interesting perspective on, you know, why people turn to porn. And let's take the heterosexual male. Well, there's no performative aspect where they don't have to worry about how good am I? How, how's my size? You know, not to get too graphic. How am I pleasing the person? That's that that can affect heterosexual male, you know, to mm -hmm. a great degree, especially depending on what their earlier experiences in life were about being emasculated or that sort of thing. So there's a performative aspect that's not existing. There's no rejection. Like it's never, oh, I have a headache. Oh, I'm tired. It's like when you want it, you get it. And so, it, you know, it's easy. It's not reality. An affair, someone who you, you know, infidelity, that's not reality. It's like the honeymoon phase. So reality is raising three kids, being tired, taking the, you know, not having enough time for you guys, not having enough time for date nights, being tired, running a business. That's reality. And the core of it, according to the Gottmans, the core of it is, are you friends? Do you really like the person? One of the videos posting soon is about how having a child can impact a new marriage, that first child. And so when you have the stress, there's a certain amount of couples where having that first child improves the relationship. And so what, it was, what was the secret of those couples where it improved? They knew each other intimately when you can predict how your partner would feel about a situation, react to a situation, when you want to help them out, anticipate needs, know their needs. It, friendship is the basis of a long-term relationship. 
So how do you, if you feel like, because I know in one of your videos, you said you may love your partner, but do you like them when talking about friendship? And that was like, whoa, how do you, if you feel like you've lost that, like, how do you rekindle that friendship and, and get back to that place? Yeah. You know, Esther Perel, she, she points out repeatedly in many of her books and videos about what helps is to see your partner as a person. They're a person with free will. They don't have to be with you. They have a whole life. They have interests. One of the big things that can help rekindle desire is to see your partner in their, like doing their thing, you know, whether it's in their career, maybe they're like an IT engineer or a manager managing a couple hundred people. And then all of a sudden you see them at, or performing, maybe they're in a band performing on stage, seeing them in their element. There's an appeal like, Oh, seeing other people look at your partner in that way. Like, Oh, this is my partner, you know? So seeing them in their element and appreciating them for that, learning to know their interests, you know, like you said, we evolve so much as people. Have you really tracked how your partner has evolved? Maybe when you got married, having kids or that job that they had was the best thing ever. But now in their 40s, they're thinking, you know what? This job isn't really doing it for me. I think I want to change. And maybe you have no idea that this evolution in career is happening. And then you wake up one morning and it's like, what? You're quitting your job? You want to do this? What's going on? So really taking an interest like you would with your friend. How do you act with your friend? You ask them about their day, their relationship, their worries, their fears, you know, and you talk it out. So, yeah, it's friendship is really important. It's so interesting what you said about seeing someone in their element, because even like something as small as going to the gym, I went to the gym recently with my husband and I'm like, oh, whatever, he wants to go to the gym. And I saw how many people like were obsessed with him at the gym. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Like all these guys were surrounding him, asking all these tips, this and that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, You're like that's my husband. Yeah, yes. it made me like excited <laughs> for him in like a new way. Normally I don't care about the gym with, with like in relation to him. I'm like, okay, whatever, go do your workout. But you're right. Like seeing someone excited or seeing someone in their element, it can be really engaging. Yeah, for sure. And you know, at a primal level, I don't mean this to sound anti-progressive at all. At a primal level, uh, you know, women seek protection from their husbands. At a primal level, men typically seek nurturing and respect. And respect is, I hear it so often from men, respect. She's not respecting me. It, it just, you know, a lot of times women in heterosexual relationships might get tired and just over it and start to go down that toxic criticism route. And then the husbands just feel demeaned and not respected. And it's such a big deal to a man, a heterosexual man to not be emasculated. And so, you know, the way you communicate, the way you view them, the way you talk about them in front of them, you know, a little bit goes a long way. Wait, okay. So how do you do that? Because I actually feel like our culture right now, and I don't know if I'm like saying this right, but I just feel like in general, there's like a shift of like almost emasculating men or men feel like that overall. And I feel like women feel more empowered. And I don't think that the two, like, I think women should feel equally empowered. And I also don't want men to feel emasculated, but I think that this is something that is probably happening to a lot of men in their relationships and probably women don't realize they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, generally whenever we have injustices, the pendulum has been you know, on one end for so long, and then it will swing back a little more extreme to the other end. 
which is kind of maybe where we are. That's just a personal opinion where hopefully, like you said, I agree. You look at TV shows, movies, emasculating the, the typical white male is all you know popular. But how fair is that? So, yeah, when it comes to I think a lot just, of women would feel like it's fair. Do you know what I, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you know? Like, because it's like, OK, if this is where I get like, OK, so if many relationships like I'm thinking back to my grandma, like her, she used to not my or sorry, my grandma's mom. She used to she was telling me she used to not be able to like drive the car. She never knew how to take out money of an ATM, like because her husband definitely, you know, there was like that control in that like sense of like, I am the man I do this. Like, how do we I feel like because I'm definitely one that's, I'm very, you know, focused on my career. I very much am, I think in my masculine energy and can maybe sometimes like in relationships take on more of that, like masculine role. Again, that's the whole thing kind of confuses me, but like do men's mindsets need to shift to fit modern times and how women have evolved does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. And again, this is just depends on the couple mm-hmm. because there are many couples who are happy with more quote unquote traditional roles. Great. You know, my job is never to push my opinions on people. Ideally, they never know anything about me at a personal level. I'm a blank slate mm. where I can be unbiased and they can have no judgments about me. And part of that is not telling them my value system or pushing my value system on them. Part of it is me figuring out what is your value system? What's a problem for you? Maybe having someone who, you know, drinks blackout, you know, gets drunk every night is not a big, that big of an issue. Maybe it's, you know, maybe having someone cheat on you three times is not the core issue in your marriage. Maybe it's something else. So maybe the issue is not that your wife works outside the home. Maybe it is that your wife works outside the home. So again, it's going to depend on the person. Mm. And yes, as a whole, the heterosexual white male has had a pretty nice ride. <laughs> as a person of color, I, I can totally understand where there's frustration. Like, yeah, the pendulum swung back the other way. Yay right. for us. But when it comes to relationships, being clued into what's important to your partner, whether they are more of a traditional person, whether they are a progressive person, is very important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think it's possible for the progressive woman, pursue your dreams, pursue your career, balance everything, the children, the marriage, and to be able to pursue what you want, draw your boundaries when you feel that things are being imposed on you, maybe in a traditional manner that you don't like. But it's possible to express that in a respectable way, stand your ground, lay your boundaries, without then devolving into you're such a caveman, you're such an idiot, you're so weak, you're so this or that. Right. So and that kind of goes back to like the the toxic complaining, I guess, right? Like or is that more about just like being specific in that situation? How would you handle it? Yeah, about let's are you asking if a wife is wanting to work outside the home or gosh, I guess we can get into like a bunch of specific situations. But yeah, I guess if I guess if an overall complaint is like that a husband or like a white heterosexual male doesn't feel respected and the wife wants more respect, she wants her own life. She wants to be able to work and do whatever she wants to do. 
Yeah, I, my questions would be, what does respect look like to the husband? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Is it that she critic? Is it the criticism that gets to you? Is it the how she talks about you in front of your friends? Maybe it's just that. So it, that can vary. So what does respect look like to the person? And then for the wife, oh, what do you want? You want to start working outside the home. You want to get back to your career. You took years off from your career to help raise the children. And now you want to get back into it. Okay, great. Let's do it. You know, this is important to me. And so working with a couple, it would be helping communicate that to the husband, helping the husband reflect back to the wife so that he hears her, helping giving him skills to express validation of her desires, empathy for all the years that she spent at home, be encouraging and supportive of her seeking an identity again outside of being a mother. So learn, helping couples just communicate with each other, translating what they say. It's almost so. like a, th- uh, a different language. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, go ahead. I know we've talked a little bit about like the, you know, the, how things are so virtual. Do you think right now social media is perpetuating this perfect relationship and maybe people are seeking like, oh, you know, more easily walking away from a relationship that could be a great relationship if they worked on it, but they see, oh my gosh, this couple's doing this. Like my husband doesn't do that. My wife doesn't do that. My partner doesn't do that. I'm out. Do you think that social media is playing a role in that kind of dynamic we're seeing? Oh, for sure. For sure. Social media is just the worst, (laughs) but you know, it's a very prevalent aspect of our society for the majority of the people. So it's something that we need to navigate. We can't just say, oh, you should not be on social media. You shouldn't pay attention. It's there. We have to deal with it. So my, my personal approach to relationships, and again, this is my personal opinion. <laughs> this is not like something based on research, is that you need to get to, when you're deciding on who to be with, you need to get to like 70, 80%. You're not aiming for 100. 70, 80%, someone you're attracted to physically, someone you get along with, you click with, there's that inexplicable chemistry, someone you just like to spend time In that 70, 80 to 80%, there's going to be things that really annoy you, things that aren't so perfect. They clean the bathroom in a horrible way. They are always late to things. They don't verbalize how much they love you. They have different love languages, let's say. That 20, that remaining 20 to 30% is purely your decision to commit. Because what I've noticed is that with people who have certain conditioning in childhood, they will a lot of times perpetuate some unresolved relationship from their past. For instance, if they grew up with in an abusive home, they might end up with an abusive partner. And without work, personal work, conscious awareness of what's going on, they may do that their whole life, have a pattern of a certain type of partner. And so, you know, when it comes to like, yeah, deciding how to, who you want to commit to, a lot of it is just the decision to commit. And then what's in that 20 to 30% sitting down 12 years later into the marriage, like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's figure out how to be friends again hey, let's talk about this big fight five years ago that we keep bringing up whenever we argue. Let's really sit down and figure out what we need from the other person and then make a conscious decision to let it go and move forward. What do we need from each other to make that happen? 
So yeah, social media, it's like, you know, our divorce rate is bad enough. And then social media came into it. And people see these really impoverished versions of people's lives, like just a little blip of something so perfect. Meanwhile, you don't see the reality behind it. And then it just feeds into this, you know, the Joneses are doing this, right. that grass is always greener idea. And, wow. you know, it's uh, it's all based on imagination. It's all based on imagination. Wow. Because it's the imagination that the people are putting out for you to see. They want you to see their lives in a certain way. And it's the imagination that you're creating as well. And it goes both ways. Oh, it's so toxic. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's, and I think too, like, I mean, getting into like dating apps and stuff. So I'm, I'm single and, and dating and I do feel like, yeah, it's different. I like how you said the 20 to 30% is choosing to commit because I feel like what I see is like, oh, these person needs to meet all of these. And if they don't like walk away or kind of like, right. it's kind of, yeah, I feel like speaking of the pendulum, I think we used to really settle for things because we needed to, and now we don't need to settle. And I'm speaking again, sorry, from a from my perspective as a woman dating, a woman dating straight men. And like, it's, you don't, we, we didn't have to settle. So now we're the, it's coming the other way. We don't have to settle. So we're like, if one little thing is off bye. you know? So it's like, I think we forget that you, like you said, 20 to 30% is actively working on it and choosing to be like, okay, wait, I'm choosing this person. Right. And yeah. you don't see that on social media, especially when you see like these TikToks and videos of people's relationships and you're like romanticizing that and thinking, oh, well, my partner doesn't do that. Like what's wrong with us? Or even when you see other people's like videos of red flags, you're like, oh, you know what? That person did do that. Like yeah. they do have too many or only one shampoo. Like, you know what? No, yeah. I don't want that. So yeah, you're always, yeah. <laughs> you're, <laughs> that one's a funny one, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. I think it's just good to remember that. Like, I mean, and this is what we're all talking about in this whole episode is like relationships, help to get to a healthy and happy relationship. It takes the work and constantly working on your relationship and investing in each other. And do you feel like it also takes work on investing in yourself and working on yourself? Because I feel like sometimes like no matter how much you want a relationship to be a healthy, happy relationship, if you aren't happy about something that you're dealing with internally, it, it reflects onto the person that you're with. So how, how yes. do you kind of handle that and like work on yourself while also simultaneously working on your relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ideally, okay, I'm biased, but mm -hmm. ideally people will seek individual counseling and couples counseling because what will inevitably happen when I work with people is I'll hear a pattern that's going on between the two and then I'll try to get to the root of it. Like, so tell me about, you know, where this happened, this dynamic happened earlier in your life. What was your life like growing up? What kind of dynamic did you have with a parent, a sibling? And so then that pattern, you can really see where the root of it comes from, because whether you're together like three years, 12 years, as you are mm -hmm. 22 years, if you still have this conditioning from childhood or from earlier in your life that hasn't been, I'll say healed for lack of a better word, sure, you can break up with your partner, but you're going to find someone who's a pretty similar match if it remains unhealed. So sure, have at it, break up with your partner, find, you know, get into the honeymoon phase with another partner, but inevitably 
with these things, these triggers, this conditioning, it's going to come up again and recreate itself. Ooh, I needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, obviously the goal is to have a healthy, happy relationship. So for someone who's in a relationship right now, we want to end on like a positive note. What are some things that people can start doing like right now in their relationship to make it a little bit better, to make it a little bit more exciting to have fun with their partner again? Yeah. Well, you know, what do you, I always like to look back at what the success is. Let's, I'm very logical, like left brain, like let's look at the evidence. Mm -hmm. So give me some evidence of what has worked for you in the past. What are things that your partner does that you love that make you melt, that you just look forward to ways that you love spending time with them. Now you have a proven list of things that work for you. What works for them? Maybe it'll be a lot of similarities. Maybe it will be completely different lists. doesn't matter. Um, And then sit down and figure out how you can go about doing that together, meeting each other's needs in that way. I like the card games. I'm sorry, I don't have any names to give you right now, but I'm card games that give you questions. Like, tell me about your most embarrassing time growing up or, you know, who was your best friend in third grade or whatever the question is. And then you just get to know the person. Mm-hmm. because I can't tell you how many times I hear in the session, oh, you felt that way? I had no idea. Or, oh, that happened to you when you were 11 years old? I had no idea. Have a curiosity about your partner. You have this person who has a whole life of many things that they probably haven't talked to you about. And how bonding would that be for you to learn something about them? Think of something that you've never shared with your partner. What is something they don't know about you? Maybe something that's changed since you got married 12, 12 years ago. Something that's important to you now. Absolutely. And if you want to, is there like a way to kind of start creating like rituals almost or things that you can start doing yeah. together? Because I think that's something to like just actually making the time for your partner. Yeah, it could be something as easy as set up a little alarm on your phone about text your partner. Text your partner, I love you. Text your partner something you're doing. Send your partner a picture. Hey, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm at Trader Joe's. Hope you're doing well. How right, are that's you? That's so well, cute and so little. Like but everyone like, can do that. Think about how much like that means if your partner's at like Trader Joe's and is like, ooh, the new pumpkin spice is here. You know what right. I mean? Like, and they know that you like that. Like how like that little tiny thing, honestly, for me would be like. Oh my God. Or like when Steve sent me that photo of the tree, like that, yes. my f- husband sent me a photo of a tree that like, I love that started blooming. And I was like, Aww. oh, it made me so, so happy. happy. I remember that. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So you're right. Like, but you wouldn't, okay. I love this. Okay. Continue. Cause that's such a small thing that would make a big difference. I think to a lot of people's day. Yeah. It's basically connecting again. You know, we, we live so disconnected, even when we're home on our phones, like it's a way of connecting. Another idea is to, you know, keep the goals small, like ha- set aside, 10 minutes each day, five minutes even to just have a little session, like a debrief. Like, hey, what was, what, how was your day? What was your favorite part? Like, what was the worst part? Most fun part? Mm-hmm. It can be something like as extensive as being pen pals. Mail each other written letters in the mail, the US mail, that they will then receive or write them a letter. You know, you don't have to use the mail system, but it's kind of fun to get mail, you know, <laughs> good mail. Yeah. Um, something like gets that. Good mail. Yeah, a little handwritten note that you put in their laptop bag, their backpack. Mm -hmm. Hey, hope you have a good day or hey, I'm thinking about you. And that could be what the text is. It doesn't have to be anything deep. Just just thinking about you, wanting to say hi. Yeah. 
Oh, I love those ideas. I think those are super approachable and great ways to start reconnecting with your partner. And I think one of the card games that I've, I've played before is we aren't really strangers. Is that what it is? Oh, it's something like that. I've heard of that. With yes. those questions that it's like, you would never sit down and be like to your husband or wife or partner and be like, so tell me about, you know, the time you were blah, blah, blah. So those are really good. So those are for everyone listening. Those are one of the card games that I can tell you is a good one. And that that's what you could do with that five minute, 10 minute check-in is just pull a card. What's the card of the day? Right. I love that. Well, Kim, thank you so much. This was so much, I was gonna say so much fun. It was kind of heavy, but it was good. It was like, we need, these are great things we need to talk about. And those tips at the end are awesome. I think those are so easy for people to incorporate. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Because your socials are so awesome. We are obsessed with the videos that you put out on TikTok and Instagram. So let people know where they can find you. Yeah, my thank you very much for having me, by the way. I really enjoyed this time together talking to you. We could talk for hours, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my social is KP, so K as in Kilo, P as in Paul, KP underscore counseling. And my website is my name, KimPolander.com. And yeah, send me a message, send me an email, give me ideas for things you'd like videos to be made about. I love that. So I, I love to engage with people when I can. I don't have much time to do it, but, but I do read all the comments and I do read all the messages. And even though I don't reply right away, I, it is something that I see because I like to know, you know, what, what are on people's minds. And that's the whole reason that I went out on social media is, you know, my time is kind of booked now, but I just feel that are, there are a lot of people who aren't heard, don't have someone to talk to and want to be, you know, validated and listen to and so people are struggling out there well you're doing such a good job and yes for our listeners there's something specific you need help with send kim a comment let's get her to answer your questions because it could be super super helpful awesome thank you i'm going to try to do more q a's and that sort of thing to address this yeah you should keep it up your socials are killing it so thanks again kim we will see you soon thank you very much All right, everyone, it is time for Ask Away with Ray and Kay, where we sit down with you and give you our solicited advice. Let's get into it. As someone who's a size 12, 14, just working on um, feeling like body positive, more like better self-image when all the friends I happen to have, I don't think anyone is above like a size six. And it's kind of hard because like you don't pick your friends based on what they look like over their size. So it just happened that I don't have any other friends that are like curvier. And so definitely just going through college and just, I feel like the environments I've grown up in, it is very much like, you know, size zero, size two is the beauty standard and just like struggling to like not want to change my body and like learn to appreciate myself, but having like trouble not comparing myself to my friends and see them get a lot more male attention than I have in the past. And even being in a completely happy, healthy relationship, but it's still nice to get validation and like feel like someone's interested. And so kind of just struggling with that and trying just not to compare myself to them on like anytime we go out or hang out and things like that. Well, you're in very good company. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of our listeners and for sure Ray and I have at one point, and if not like more often than not, have felt this way for sure. I mean, I think the first thing, and it's obviously something we all know, is that comparison is the thief of joy. So like, I feel like 
the fact that you already know that you're doing this means like you're a step ahead of the curve because I feel mm. like I used to compare myself to my friends and not even realize like what I was doing and how doing that was taking like joy away from me. If that makes any sense. I think that you have to remember that everyone struggles with body insecurities, no matter their size. And I think mm -hmm. that knowing that your lived experience is a reality for so many people and is not something that you're creating your, in your head, I think can help a lot too. Yeah. And I think like I had a complete mental breakdown about this last summer. Like I, we did a whole episode on it. I was like sitting crying in my car. I was just like exhausted. And especially I think like when it came to the male attention point that you brought up, because I, it, and, and we had such a good conversation about this when it was like, okay, you don't want to create, you don't want to create like a false reality of no man like me because of my size. But when it's a pattern that you, you continue to see, like I was always out with friends who were smaller than me and no matter what, who got approached the smaller friends and it was exhausting. I was so tired. I felt fucking invisible. I felt invisible. And that is one of like the worst feelings. And I think to be honest, I wish I had like, again, when we talked about it in the other episode, I wish I had an answer, but like, I did remove myself from those situations. Like I have not been going out like this summer, like I was last summer, like to bars here in Los Angeles. And like, I just removed myself from that situation where I felt like my only social currency was my body. Um, and I think, but when it comes to like your friends, I think again, I know we're using like a couple cheesy like lines here, but another woman's beauty doesn't take away from your own beauty it comes in all different shapes and sizes and one isn't better than the other um and i think too like i think it's also good to remember like what christina said like everyone struggles with things like you would think oh my thin friends like oh they probably are so happy with everything like if i had that i would be happy but then maybe they have a flat stomach or thighs that don't rub together or whatever it is and like there's something that they want to change so i really think it's like about focusing less on your friends who are on smaller bodies and more on your relationship with your own body and and just continuing to strengthen that and build that confidence within yourself 100 and i think it really depends on the situation but being honest and vulnerable with your friends helps a lot too like for instance like something that i really struggled with with my body in comparison to my friends is going shopping with my friends because i just could not find clothes that fit me so when all of my friends were able to like go into any store and find their size and like loved going shopping together. I think that being honest and vulnerable with your friends in the specific insecurities that you're dealing with helps a lot because just talking about whatever you're, is making you insecure is always therapeutic. Um, and I think it needs to always, if you're doing that, it needs to be like, this is what I'm going through and it's not because you're a size two. This is just yes. like my lived experience. And I think sharing that really can help. Definitely. I think so. I think I need to do that. And it's also hard too, cause like, I want to find like more friends that are maybe like curvy or like my size and like relate to them. But like, I don't know how to go about that or like, you know what I mean? Like where you, I would meet them or things. Cause I think if I'm being honest, like I feel like Boston's not that diverse of a city mm -hmm. and like, especially where I'm living, it's a lot of very like petite girls. And so I think I have tried to like open up about my friends, but sometimes it just feels like so exhausting knowing like I'm going this and they can't really relate. And as much as they're super sympathetic 
and like they're not doing anything to make it worse it's like I guess it's like a two-part of the question is like trying to find like friends you relate to in that realm totally well I think one if you're not on the confident collective Facebook group you should and I feel like that's a great way like See Maybe if anyone's post in, in there Boston. and see who's in Boston. Yeah. I think that's that could, I think that could be super, super helpful. Also, honestly, like just having virtual friends, following people on social media. Obviously, you follow Ray and I, which we're super thankful yeah. for, but following more people on social media who look like you, who you can mm-hmm. relate to, even if you're not hanging out with them in real life, I think can help a lot as well. Yeah, because obviously no, it's like you have your friends who are like the sizes that they are and you love them for, for who they are and you have these amazing friendships, but it is really really helpful I think to have friends who who kind of understand what you're going through and you can relate Mm -hmm. to and not like you know and just kind of have these conversations and have each other's backs um and so I do think yeah being able to find other women who you can relate to is key so I think what Christina said Facebook group um I don't know and honestly if you see girls like ow like hit on him like you're like you know what I mean like (laughs) hey girl like um this is weird but can we be friends? Yeah. Or like, Bumble BFF. Yeah. Bumble BFF is good. Or like, I love your outfit. Like, where'd you get that from? I feel like it's such an easy icebreaker because if you see someone who looks super cute, who seems like they're the same size as you, I feel like that's a natural and easy icebreaker. Mm-hmm. And obviously if they're wearing similar clothes that you like and your size, I feel like you have an in right there. No, definitely. Those are all really good ideas. Have you tried to like talk, have you had conversations about things like with your smaller friends? Um, yes and no. Like I have talked about it and like, it's just an interesting dynamic of, I had, um, like I was talking to some of my friends that were smaller and then I had another friend who she wasn't necessarily curvier, um, but she was black. And we were just talking about like feeling like not getting the same kind of male attention as they were getting. Mm -hmm. And they were just both like, no, like you're so beautiful. I can't imagine that. Like we think you're so pretty. And I appreciated the sentiment, but like, they just like fully could not grasp like what that felt like. And like, for example, the other night we were out and I was with a bunch of friends and they were all pretty tiny. And there's this kind of like creepy drunk guy and he was kind of hanging around and trying to dance with my friends and he wasn't getting the hint to leave. And so I just kind of moved them and stood in front of him and he immediately just like turned and left. And they were like, oh, how'd you do that? And it's just like things like that. Like I just, cause I'm so sensitive, pick up on it, but like they would never pick up on it. And I try and explain it and they're like, no, no, that's not how it is. It's not it. Like you're beautiful. And like, I appreciate that. And I do like, you know, think I'm beautiful and like I have my boyfriend and I know he thinks I'm beautiful but like there's still just like you know when it happens again and again and it's so repetitive it's hard not to like notice the pattern and it's hard to like express it to them when they just don't experience it and it's fucked up because like in reality you don't want the creepy guy hitting on you but at the same time yeah. you're like what the fuck not even the creepy guy will hit on me <laughs> so it's yeah, like exactly. a weird mental fuck I get it I get it like that's so not easy and it, it's unfortunately a reality sometimes I will say I had um so I was talking to one of my guy friends and we shared this on another episode so sorry if I'm repeating myself but um I was telling him how this guy was like complimenting me when we were out one night he was like your face is so beautiful you have such a pretty face and I was talking to my guy friend I was like oh so typical and he's like what do you mean and I'm like well of course guys always say to the you know the bigger girl you have such a pretty face and he was like what are you even talking about? So I do think it's like a balance because it's like, I, I, I completely agree with everything that you've said. And I feel you like to my core, but it was kind of a good check to me to be like, okay, I can't sit so much in my false narratives. I'm telling myself 
or these narratives, I'm not saying they're false, and these narratives I'm telling myself when that it's not the case all the time. Because yes, it is a pattern and yes, it has happened a lot, but I don't want to cut people off and not give them, I guess, the benefit of the doubt, if you will. Um, so it was just refreshing mm-hmm. to hear a guy's perspective who like, they were like, what are you even talking about? Like, you, you know what I mean? And I, when I, but it was also good when I explained it to them because they heard a side from my perspective that they had never heard. And similar to the conversations you have them with your smaller friends, like, yes, you might not relate, but I still think it's good to have those conversations. So like we can all better understand each other. Yeah, definitely. No, that's a good point. Cause I do think sometimes like as like a defense mechanism, I'll like overly analyze things or like, Oh, it's just because of that. And like write yeah. it off just to kind of like keep myself in a bubble to like protect myself. Totally. We all do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. That is me. I'm like a guy unmatches me. I'm like, he thinks I'm fat. <laughs> and Christina's like, mm, it could be a hundred different things. I'm like, nope, it's this one thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, ugh. but again, I could go on and on. Cause like, it is true a lot of the time, but, but honest, not all the time. I think it's important what you said it. Cause I do think that is a defense mechanism. Yeah. Cause yeah. then it's like all of a sudden you, if it's not that, then what else is wrong with me? Meanwhile, it could have just been about him. Maybe true. He had a girlfriend, maybe he was dating other people. Maybe he found someone else, you know? We'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. So anyways. I hope that helps, Sarah. <laughs> All I have to say, we hope. That. No, it. Uh, but that thank, definitely helped. Good. Thank you so much for yeah. your question. We really appreciate you, um, and thanks for coming and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's so good to like meet you virtually, you but still. Oh my gosh! No, we're so excited. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You, you too. too. Have a good thank Labor you. Day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us. 